Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 what an amazing truth abraham believed god and it was credited to his account as righteousness that word righteousness means to have a right relationship with it means to have order restored and the fact of the matter is is that you and i as sinners we are separated from God. This is what it says in Colossians chapter one. And you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death or through his death. He has reconciled you. You were once enemies. You were hostile towards God. You were alienated from God, but now he's reconciled you. He's brought you back together. He gave you a right relationship once more. So the scripture says Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness, verse four, Romans chapter four. Now to the one who works for his wages, uh, they're not counted as a gift, but as due. Now, let's say for a moment that you really love your boss. You enjoy your boss and you decide in, in your heart of hearts that I'm gonna invite my boss over to my birthday party. And your boss comes in and the boss is carrying this huge box. It's wrapped perfectly, has this nice big shiny bow, beautiful wrapping paper. And you look at this present and you think, wow, my boss really loved me as well. And you take that box when it's time comes for you to unwrap your gift and you unwrap that gift and you dig down through all of the styrofoam peanuts. And finally at the bottom of the box, you pull out an envelope. And now you're thinking, oh, wow, good things come in small packages. And you take that envelope and you open that envelope and you pull out from that envelope a check and you look at that check and that check is your paycheck. Right? Now, that's not a gift. That was what was due to you. That's no gift at all. And so, again, read this verse and let this sink in because this is what's happening. In verse four, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. God will not be obligated to any man. If God were obligated to any man, he would no longer be God. If God owed you or I anything, he would no longer be God. There is nothing that we can give to God that he doesn't already have. If we worked for our salvation, if we could earn our salvation, salvation would no longer be viewed as a gift. It would be viewed as our due. It would be his legal obligation to give us salvation if we could earn it through works. But our salvation does not come through works. The scripture's clear, Ephesians chapter two, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It's not anything you could do, no works that you could do. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, lest anyone should brag. My salvation, my justification has nothing to do with me. It isn't about how worthy I am. It's not about how good I've been. It isn't about anything that I have earned. My salvation 
is solely based upon the goodness, the grandeur, and the grace of God, his gift to me. It is all about what God has done, about nothing that I've done. That is what salvation is, right? So the one who works, his wages are viewed as due. They're not a gift. Our salvation, clearly the scripture declares our salvation is a gift. And if we had to work for it, that's no gift at all. You're just unwrapping your paycheck, right? That's not the way that God gives. Look at the next verse. Look at this, verse five. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Again, there's that word believes again. To the one who says amen, to the one who understands that your salvation, your justification, your right standing before God isn't about what you can do, how you can earn it. The one who says, I agree with God's plan. I agree with Jesus on a cross. I agree with the risen savior. I agree that it's nothing that I could do to that one. The one who believes in that way, the one who says amen, that promise is mine, I own it. That one has righteousness credited to their account as well. Now, I want to say here just for a moment, because this verse is clear, it says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. In our Christian communities, we can confuse the fact that faith looks just like another work. Faith is not just another work. If our salvation were dependent, if my faith saved me, that's just another work that obligates God to me for my salvation. That is not what faith is. If I were drowning out in the ocean and a lifeguard sees me from his tower and he puts on his little flotation device and he jumps through the waves and he finally comes out to me and I'm just about to, to succumb to the waters, I'm about to succumb to the waves and there in desperation, I raise my arm one last time and the lifeguard grabs hold of my hand and pulls me to shore and I'm saved from certain doom and a news crew comes by and begins to interview the lifeguard who saved my life. And I stand back in the corner with my arms crossed, frustrated, confused, and bitter because I say to myself, well, I'm the one who raised my hand. If I hadn't raised my hand, he never would have saved me, right? That's in essence what this is saying. How could we ever take pride in our faith? Our faith doesn't save us. Our faith is the hand that reaches up from the depths of despair and says, God, I'm desperate. Will you reach down and rescue me? That's all that faith is. Faith is not another work that can save you. Again, God will be indebted to no man. God owes no man a thing. Our righteousness is accounted to us just by believing just by agreeing with God, just by saying your truth is my truth, I own that promise. So we see how justification by faith is taught in the law through the case study of Abraham, but we also, secondly, we're gonna see how the justification by faith is taught in the prophets, the book of the prophets in the Old Testament through the case study of David. Read with me the next verse, verse six. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Now pause there for a second because we talk about how we can work our way for salvation or people fall into this trap of working their way for salvation. In context, what is gonna be quoted by Paul here in Romans chapter four is Psalm 32. You can read this later on, Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, it's David's response to having a flashlight shining in his life, exposing his sin. 
exposing the fact that he became apathetic as king, exposing the fact that he shouldn't have been on the rooftop, lusting after a woman, exposing the fact that he called her to his chamber, exposing the fact that he committed adultery with her and impregnated her, exposing the fact that he tried to cover that up with lie after lie after lie, exposing the fact that the extent that he went to to cover up his sin, he murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Now, again, David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. David had no works. He knew he was a sinful, despicable, disgusting human being at this point. In Psalm 32, he hates the person that he had become. And he cries out to God. And in his crying out, this is the epiphany that he has. This is the revelation that God gives to David. Look at verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count sin. In the midst of having his sinfulness revealed, in the midst of having to confess this before the prophet Nathan and everyone knowing the sin in his life, what God says, hey, is remember, blessed is the person, prosperous, literally, oh, how happy is the man whose lawless deeds are not seen any longer, the one whose sins are forgiven. So here, look at these two words, these two words forgiven and covered. What they speak of is the Old Testament sacrifice in Leviticus chapter 16 on the day of atonement. And what God did is he said, look, one day out of the year, I want you to bring the sacrifice of these two goats. And these two goats are nationally going to cover the sins of the nation of Israel. All of the sins will be covered. And to the first goat, the high priest would lay his hands upon the goat and confess the sins of the people and confess his own sins and just confess the sins of the nation. And then that goat would be taken off into the wilderness. Literally, the sins would be confessed over the goat and the goat would carry the sins away. That is what the word forgive means in the Greek. It means to send away, to carry away. The second goat, the throat of the goat would be slit. The blood would be taken inside the Holy of Holies and that blood would be sprinkled seven times upon the Ark of the Covenant covering the Holy Seat, the Ark there, the law. The blood would cover the law. That word covered there, that second word, this is what David is assuming here. Something amazing happens in the midst of David's sinfulness, in the midst of his understanding that he's a sinner. He somehow, the Lord breaks through his brokenness and says, what I have done nationally for the nation of Israel on the day of atonement on Yom Kippur, I have done personally for you, David. I have forgiven you of your sins and I have covered your sins. I have sent them away and I have cleansed you. I've covered you. I've robed you in my righteousness. And so in response to this, David says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is that man. That man is a man who can give a shout for joy. Again, on the day of atonement, this is the day where the nation of Israel would be brought back into a right relationship with God. You need to be brought back into a right relationship with God this morning. This is what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 59. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Ephesians chapter two. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall, the dividing wall of hostility. You are separated from God. You're estranged. God 
hid his face from you because of your sinfulness, but Jesus comes and he carries our sin away and he covers our sin in his blood and we can once again stand in the presence of a holy God. Listen one more time. Verse eight, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You're not going to find an ointment or a medicine at the bottom of a bottle, at the end of a pipe, at the end of a needle, or at the bottom of a pill jar. You will find what you need in order to bring soothing to your soul when you come to Christ. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Listen to this, my friends. Then righteousness can be imputed to you. It's a beautiful fact. In Psalm 103, it says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. That's how far he has taken our sins away. And I think it's fitting that the scripture says east from west, because if it said north to south, here, if you're on this earth, if you're in this globe, if you're on planet earth, if you go north, eventually you're gonna hit the North Pole. And once you hit the North Pole, if you keep going, what happens? All of a sudden, you're not going north anymore. Now you're going south. But if I start right here, and if I try to go to the east, I will never catch the west. I can always go further east. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Blessed is that man who discovers that truth. Blessed is the man who understands that righteousness can be counted to him. You have a choice today. You have a choice between God crediting righteousness into your account or you standing in the presence of a holy God and paying the price for your own sin because that will be credited to your account as well. The difference is whether or not you choose to believe. So we see this played out, this justification by faith, it's played out in the law. We see it played out in the prophets. Your final point, if you're taking notes with us this morning, is we can see justification by faith for all, for everyone. Read on with me, verse nine, Romans chapter four. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness which he held by faith while he was still uncircumcised. This would have been mind-blowing for the Jews to hear because what Paul is saying is that those of you who've been trusting in the right of circumcision for your salvation, what you've missed is that Abraham was declared righteous. Remember Genesis chapter 15? Abraham was declared righteous in Genesis chapter 15. And that was 14 years before Genesis chapter 17 when he and his household were circumcised. Abraham was declared righteous before he became a Jew by definition. Now, this would have been mind-blowing. Again, how can we earn our salvation when that's not what earned Abraham's salvation? He wasn't made right before the eyes of God because he was circumcised. He was made right because he believed and then he was circumcised as evidence, as proof of his belief. Now, check this out. We'll finish up this text together. It goes on. It says, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe. If you remember when we first started in the book of Romans, Romans 1.16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. 
that God's salvation is available to everyone, the Jew and the Greek alike. This was change in Paul's dynamic, a change in Paul's mindset, the way he viewed people. All of a sudden, when he came to Christ, he understood that we're all the same. We're all sinners just the same, and we can all be justified just the same. We can all have the same father. Our father is Abraham if we would but believe, right? This is what he's teaching. Now, read on with me. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. If you consider yourself a Christian today and you're caught up in a works-based salvation, you're still trying to earn God's justification. You're still trying to earn a right standing before God. You need to push pause on things just for a moment. And you need to ask yourself, why are you still trying to earn God's salvation if the scripture's clear that it happens when you believe? See, I think one of two things happens in our lives if we're caught up in a works-based oriented salvation. We get to that point where we think, God, you owe me. I've earned some blessings here because I've been reading or I've been giving or I've been sacrificing or I've been volunteering. You owe me some blessings because of what I've done for you, God. If we're in that place today, one of two things is happening in your life. First off, you don't understand the gravity of your sinfulness. You don't understand that you deserve separation from a holy God, that you deserve hell because of your sinfulness, because of the atrocities that you committed, the thoughts that you think, the words that you speak. You don't understand the seriousness of your sin. Secondly, you have pride that is built up in your heart. And you have the same problem that Paul did where he looks out at other people and he sees other people as less than. I'm holy, I'm righteous because of these rules that I keep and pride built up in his heart. Maybe pride is built up in your heart and that's why you're living that kind of faith today. Either one of those, either one, either you're, you don't understand your sinfulness or pride is built up in your heart, either one of those is not pleasing to God and you need to repent of those things today. God wants you to be made righteous just by exercising your faith. Just by saying, God, I understand that it's nothing that I can do, it's what you have done. Now let's read this last verse together and sew this up. Verse 12. And to make him, Abraham, the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Genesis chapter 12, God says, Abraham, I want you to leave your life behind. I want you to leave everything that you've known. I want you to leave your comforts and I want you to follow me and I'm gonna bless you. And Abraham believed. Abraham says, amen, I own it. That promise is mine and he steps out in faith. You cannot have an encounter with God and leave the same. If you have a true encounter with God, you will have no choice but to be changed. Jesus said this in John chapter three. He said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. The wind changes things around it. You can't see the wind. You can't hear the wind all the time, but you know where the wind has been present because things change. The wind changes things. Jesus says, that's what it's like when you have an encounter with the Spirit. Paul had that encounter with the Spirit on the road to Damascus and his life was changed. Abraham had an encounter with the Lord in Genesis chapter 12. He steps out in faith and his future was changed. Let me close this morning by telling you the story of two men 
who had a very similar past, but whose eternities were vastly different. Jesus suspended up upon a cross. And there on that cross, the people down, the bystanders, they're watching, the Roman soldiers, they're mocking Jesus. Here's the king of the Jews. Come on, save yourself, king of the Jews. Let's see, call upon Elijah. Let Elijah come and rescue you if you are who you say you are. And they're gambling for his clothing. And he's suspended between two thieves, one on the right and one on the left. And one of the thieves begins to mock Jesus as well. Yeah, yeah, some king you are. If you really are a king, why don't you save yourself and save us while you're at it? And the second thief says to that first thief, have you no conscience, man? Can't you see that this man is suffering and he did nothing wrong? We've earned our punishment. Is We've earned this cross, but this man has done nothing wrong. Have you no conscience? And then that second thief says to Jesus, remember me today in your kingdom. And Jesus responds to that second thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Those two men, they lived the same life. They were both thieves. They both suffered the same fate upon the cross here in this world. But their eternities were vastly different. Why? Because one chose to mock on his cross. How do we mock? We mock the sacrifice of Jesus. We mock the cross of Christ when we continue to try to earn justification and salvation by our works. We're mocking God saying we can do this on our own when he's there suffering on that cross. One man mocked Jesus. The second man cries out, remember me. The second man cries out, I believe today. I see you. I've seen your suffering. I've seen the way you've given your life. I see the way you haven't raised a fist. I see that you're giving your life. And I believe. Remember me. I believe. Their eternities would change that day. Though they came to that spot in history, the exact same mere image people, both thieves, both deserving of punishment. One was welcomed into the kingdom of God because he looked at Jesus suffering on that cross and he said, that's something I could never do for myself. I believe. Amen. Yes, that promise is for me. I own it and it changed his eternity. My friends, this morning, your eternity can be changed. If you will put down your tools, put down your hammer and your chisel and walk away from them once and for all, leave the old land and come into the promised land just like Abraham. Find God on that road to Damascus just like Paul. What can I do, God, to serve you? Find God just like that second thief upon the cross. God, remember me this morning. My challenge to you is that you cry out and say, God, I believe in your promise for me. See, we read the scripture, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we forget so often that that promise is for you. That promise is yours today. That promise is mine. No, God so loved me that he gave his son that whosoever believes says amen, says yes, I agree. Yes, that plan makes sense. Yes, the cross was for me. Whoever agrees with that and claims that promise and owns it shall have eternal life. That is what's waiting for you today if you will pause whatever you're doing right now 
in your heart of hearts, you approach God and you say, God, I don't want to work for this anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I have no strength left in me. What I want is I want you and I believe in your plan. If you will do that today, God will meet you where you're at and you will be changed. The way you see the world will be changed. The way you love people will be changed. The freedom that you experience in your life will be made new. You will be something new. Because here's the thing, justification is more than just being declared not guilty. Justification is more than being acquitted. Justification is more than just exhibiting a little bit of faith. Justification is being given new life. And that is what God is offering to you today. He wants to make you new if you will just believe in his plan and say, God, that's for me. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977